0: The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. Then they came to Capernaum, and on the Sabbath Jesus entered the synagogue and taught. The people were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority, and not as the scribes. In their synagogue was a man with an unclean spirit, he cried out. What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Jesus rebuked him and said, Quiet, come out of him. The unclean spirit convulsed him and with a loud cry came out of him. All were amazed and asked one another, What is this? A new teaching with authority. He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. His fame spread everywhere throughout the whole region of Galilee. The Gospel of the Lord. The hot topic today is certainly going to be. Who are you rooting for? The Seahawks or um, who is it? Patriots, thank you. Seahawks (laughs) or the Patriots, I just drew a blank. That'll be one of the hot topics. The next hot topic will be, uh, what's your favorite uh, Super Bowl commercial going to be? So far, mine is the Brady Bunch Snickers one. The third one will be the deflated football. That's going to be the third hot topic today. But I guarantee you, for me, the hot topic, as it always is, someone is at the Super Bowl party will say to me this question, Father, why can't priests get married? <laughs> Guarantee you it'll happen no matter where I go, no matter what the context, no matter what situation I'm in. That's the question people ask me. That's the hot topic that always seems to be the one I'm asked. Why can't priests get married? And they're always, they always ask me like it's an epiphany. Like for them, it's never been asked before. Like it's a brand new question, and uh, they're going to ask me this question that I've never heard before, right? Why can't priests get married? And, um, It's kind of funny because this is a question that has been asked from the very beginning of our church. You know, so we heard about this even at the time of St. Paul and Jesus dealt with this question too. So from the the letter that we heard today, brothers and sisters, St. Paul is saying, I should like you to be free from all anxieties. And so he's talking about the unmarried life and the married life. You know, he says, a married person is anxious about the things of the world, how he may please his wife, and he is divided. But an unmarried man is is anxious about the things of the Lord and how he may please the Lord. So he's talking about uh, this very um, um, question right here. So the last few weeks and the weeks ahead, the second reading is going to be Paul dealing with all of these issues. So some of the questions that Paul was was being asked in his time, the hot topics were, um, is it all right to get married? You know, so Jesus was talking about the end of times and the end of the world and the second coming. So people were saying, is it okay if we get married? They were asking Paul this this question. And they were also asking, is it okay if we stay married? You know, some people were questioning, should we leave our marriages and and dedicate ourselves to Christ? Some were asking, are all of us supposed to be celibate? Should everybody be celibate? And what about widows? You know, should should widows stay married or can they get married again? What, what state of life are we supposed to be in so as that we are most ready for Christ's coming? So, by the way, this is not new. It's not a new question that people are asking about the celibate priesthood. It's been asked for 2,000 years, and I imagine it'll be continued to be asked. But I hope to, in some way, um, bring some light to it and, and address it in some way, because I know it is a, a source of constant um, confusion for a lot of Catholics and, and non-Catholics. So Paul himself is, is dealing with these very questions and he, he addresses it in today's second reading. Paul was unmarried by the way and he saw that as a great advantage for the service of scripture. So he saw it as a wonderful freedom to be unmarried in order to preach the gospel but he was also clear that there's a, a case to be made for married life. There's a dignity to married life and um, he was also sure that he was celibate and it was good for him but he didn't say it was great for everybody you know he said it's a really good thing if you could do it but it might not be the best case for everybody and so he did make a case for marriage so we here I'm going to read you just a couple scripture quotes Paul said indeed I wish everyone to be as I am but each has a particular gift from God one of one kind and one of another in the view of the present distress that is impending advent of the Lord it seemed a good thing for everybody to remain as they were so he's saying, it's probably a good thing for you all to remain as you are. So this is what I think is best because of the present distress. That it is a good thing for a person to remain as he is. So to kind of sum up what he's saying and, and the, the, the final teaching that he gives, amidst all the confusing things, the grass is always greener on the other side. That's what he's saying. You know, to, to enjoy your present state of life. If you are married, stay married. Enjoy your marriage. If you're widowed, it's all right. You know, enjoy this time of your life. If you're young and you're not married yet, um, enjoy this time of your life. Don't be anxious about getting married. It'll come if it happens. And if you're a priest, enjoy celibate life. Enjoy being a priest. He says at the end of the reading today, I'm telling you all of this for your own benefits, not to impose a restraint on you. So when people say, why do priests have to be celibate? Or why, pre- why can't priests get married? It's not a restraint. I'm saying this not to impose a restraint on you, but for the sake of propriety, adherence to the Lord without distraction, so that we can truly be dedicated to the Lord without distraction. So the difficult thing in our time, I think kind of the deception of our time is you have to be married to be happy. You know, so from the time kids are in grade school, it's kind of like this. Uh, this uh, society implants us that your goal in life is to get married. You got to find the right one. You got to find the knight in shining armor, and if you don't, you're going to be miserable. So you better find somebody and get married, or you're not going to be happy. So guess what? From like grade school, boys and girls are panicking about getting married, and then they get into high school, and if they're not if they're not getting serious by college, they're they're in trouble. I even think about people that are, um, like, later vocations. You know, they'll come and talk to me sometimes and say, like, they're, they're, they're anxious because, you know, when you get later in life, like in your 30s or 40s, people are kind of already, like, beyond the, they're already kind of doing it, you know? So ladies are like, I, I don't know, i got to give in to this guy if I'm going to find him, if I'm going to, you know, find someone and be married. So there's all this panic about it. And the truth is, um, Paul says to us, If you don't want to have any anxieties, and he doesn't want us to be anxious, be totally devoted to God. It's not about being married or single, it's about being devoted to God, and the rest of that will be made clear. So specifically, the question of celibacy. Why do priests have to be married? Well, that's the wrong question. Priests um, don't have to be married, actually. In 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 the Eastern, or why do priests have to be celibate? They don't, in the Eastern rite, they can be married. In the Western Rite, and the Roman Rite, we choose from among the celibate. So the Catechism, I'll be like Fulton Sheen for a little bit here, Catechism 1579, all the ordained ministers of the Latin Church, with the exception of deacons, so our deacons are married, are normally chosen from among men of faith who live a celibate life and who intend to remain celibate for the sake of the kingdom of God. So they're chosen. I was chosen first because I was willing to live a celibate life and to remain living a celibate life. Why? For the sake of the kingdom of God. So I'm doing it for the sake of the kingdom of God. So people often ask me, Father, if they changed all the rules, would you get married? And the truth is I can't. I've already like, made that promise of celibacy, unless the church changes a lot of rules, which they could. But I've already made that commitment to be celibate we're called to consecrate ourselves for the undivided heart to the Lord and the affairs of the Lord. So the celibate life is is supposed to be um, undivided, you know, so that everything that I do is all about service to Christ. And the idea is that I'm giving myself totally to Christ and totally to all of you, actually, so that I I don't have a divided heart. Celibacy is a sign of this new life to the service of the church's ministering in the consecrated, and it's accepted with a joyous heart. And celibacy is to radiantly proclaim the the reign of God. So hopefully celibacy has not made me miserable. Uh, If you know me at all, celibacy, um, it's supposed to be joyful. So hopefully I have a joyful heart, and it's also supposed to radiantly proclaim the reign of God. It's supposed to be a sign for us of the kingdom of God to come. Catechism 16, 18 says, Christ is the center of all Christian life. So what is the most important thing in life? It's not being married or being celibate or being single or being successful. Christ is what is most important. And the bond which, with him which takes precedence over all other bonds, familiar or social, is what is important. From the very beginning of the church, so from the very time Christ instituted the church, there were men and women that were willing to renounce marriage for the kingdom of God. There were people from the very beginning that gave up husband and wife and and all things actually just for the kingdom of God, to please him and to meet the bridegroom who is coming. Christ himself invited certain people to be celibate, to come and to follow him in this way of life, and he is the model. So when people say, why do priests have to be celibate? It's kind of the wrong question. You know, because Christ was celibate. Jesus never married. And priests are supposed to be an image of Christ. We're supposed to represent Jesus, though unworthily. We're supposed to represent him at the altar. So funny, because just today, walking into Mass, there was a little girl that was being carried in by one of her parents. That she, when she saw me, she pointed back and she goes, Jesus is here, there's Jesus. And, uh, you know, that's always a very humbling thing because I know I'm not Jesus. However, it's a reality that priests, we do represent Jesus. And Jesus was celibate. So it does make sense to have a celibate priesthood. Jesus himself said that there, um, there are eunuchs. So eunuchs were people that weren't able to have sex. So from their very birth, there were some eunuchs. And there were eunuchs who have been made eunuchs by men. And there were also eunuchs who have made themselves eunuchs for the sake of the kingdom of God. They have chosen to be celibate for the kingdom of God. And then he said, he who is able to receive this, let him receive it. So celibacy is a gift. And those that, that can live it and can receive it are, are able to for the kingdom of God. 1619, virginity for the sake of the kingdom of heaven is an unfolding of baptismal grace, a powerful sign of the supremacy of the bond of Christ. So why, why are we celibate? Because of our bond with Christ. He gives us this love and this union that allows us to be dedicated. It's an ardent expectation of his return, and a sign also recalls that marriage is a reality of the present age, which is passing away. So, ultimately, celibacy is a sign of heaven. That we believe in heaven, there will be no marriage, that we're all united, our souls are united with God and with each other. So, in the Latin church, as I said before, the sacrament of holy orders for the presbyterate is normally conferred only on candidates who are ready to embrace celibacy freely and who publicly manifest that intention of staying celibate for the love of God's kingdom and the service of men. So, Why do priests have to be celibate? Well, they don't. But we do, in the the Latin rite, choose celibates to be priests. Finally, 2349, people should cultivate chastity in the way of life suited to them. So the final thing is chastity, that all of us are called to be chaste. Whether we're single, whether we're priests and celibate or a nun and celibate, or whether we are married, we're all called to be chaste. Some profess virginity, or the consecrated life, which enables them to give themselves to God alone with an undivided heart. Others live in a way prescribed by the moral law, whether they are married or single. Married people are called to live conjugal chastity. Others practice the the chastity and continence. There are three forms of the virtue of chastity. The first is that of spouses, the second is that of widows, and the third is, is that of virgins. And we do not praise any above the others. They are all to be praised, the great virtue of chastity. And so when we get down to it, really, what is Paul trying to say to us? He's trying to say, the grass is always greener on the other side. You know, so enjoy the way of life and the state of life that you are living. And if you are able to, you know, especially for those that are young and discerning their call in life, you know, the call in life is not ultimately marriage. Our primary call in life is union with God. And out of that come the four vocations of married life, religious life, priesthood, or or single life. But ultimately, we must be dedicated to God. And that's what's going to truly make us happy. That's going to be what truly makes us joyful. And that's going to be what truly allows us to consecrate ourselves to God and live a life worthy of the calling that we have received.